Welcome to another episode, uh, quarantine edition again. We got Wyatt here. It's been a while. What's good, man? We're going to do the LA Chargers preview for this season because, yes, football is happening as of right now, as we know. Um, So do you want to just really quickly just give your brief thoughts on what the Chargers season last year was like and kind of what your expectations or what your thoughts on the Chargers offseason was, their, their losses, their additions, just, just really quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, uh, <clears throat> last year was a major disappointment coming off going 12-4, and four, making it to the divisional round of the playoffs. You know, I think a lot of Charger fans and just people around the league in general thought they were going to come back and be one of those Super Bowl contending teams, and that just wasn't the case. You know, we lost a lot of really close games, um, but that's really nothing new in Charger world. Um, as far as the offseason goes, this has probably been the most significant offseason, at least in my lifetime as a Charger fan, or since Philip Rivers took over for Drew Brees, um, because Philip Rivers is gone now. You know, he's been there for 17 years, and uh, him leaving is kind of like it's a, it's a new chapter for the franchise. And so, I mean, obviously, that's got to be the biggest uh, thing that's happened for us this offseason. And uh, to be honest with you, it's, it's weird as a Charger fan – trying to determine exactly what the ownership and the general managers see this next season as, because there's been such a, uh, you know, we're drafting a young quarterback, but at the same time we're adding free agents and signing guys that makes it seem like we're trying to win now. So uh, it's kind of, it's difficult to see exactly what the upper management of the chargers, how they see the season going. Part of me almost thinks like they don't see us uh, having success and winning. And then there's another part of me that thinks that they can win a Super Bowl. So it's a little weird. But that's nothing new for the Chargers, so yeah. Yeah, as I say, that kind of fits perfectly with the Chargers. You know that like their mo is not consistent, but that exactly. doesn't mean that's not always bad. Like what two years ago, what were you guys? Was it twelve and four? We were twelve and four. Yeah. Yeah, and then last year five and eleven. Oof. So you can never, you know, like you, just because the Chargers were bad last year, right. that doesn't mean they're gonna be bad this year. Like that's kind of the good inconsistency, but it's just right, right. Really up in the air right now. No, it really is up in the air. Yeah. So, okay, let's just go. We'll start with the players that the Chargers lost. So you already mentioned Phil Rivers. I didn't realize he had been on the Chargers for 17 years. Yeah. that's And we're, what, 25? Like, right, so. That's wild. It's been a long, yeah. It's a long time. That, dude. That's, uh, like, what, 60, uh, over 60% of our, of our lifetime. Right. I became a Chargers fan when I was, like, I think, like, six or six. And I was like probably eight years old. And so that was like right at the end of the Drew Brees. Um, so, you know, anyone that's even just a little bit younger than me, all they've ever known is Philip Rivers behind center. And on, adding on top of that, the guy never gets injured. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, started basically every game. So, you know, he's just, if there's one thing that is the San Diego Chargers, to anyone that's really like 25 or younger, it's, it, it is Philip Rivers. And I say San Diego Chargers because <laughs> I meant to say that. Yeah. Yeah. It just, saying LA, it's funny because even like on ESPN sports talk shows, they still say, san diego chargers and no one corrects them because i feel like it just it sounds right yeah i almost wonder if there's some future world where they move back to san diego and that's why we all can't you know we can't say the la thing because it's just it's not meant to be yeah fucked up away yeah no i see that so so phillips gone uh melvin gordon gone and then russell okung 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 traded away yeah is any were there any other uh um departures well, we lost a couple, like Dunzabar. I mean, these are just backup guys. You pretty much hit. Those are the main three guys, I would say, we lost. Yeah. Okay. And so let's start with Phil, obviously, because he's obviously the most impactful. Do you think – obviously, it's sad to see him go as a Charger fan, I'm sure. But do you think it's for the best, or do you think it was a mistake to let him go? What are your thoughts on him leaving to the Colts? Well, again, like I said – I've been with Philip Rivers my whole life as a Charger fan and being able to, you know, see what he's done for the team and uh, how the impact that he's had. I think it's a, I think it's the wrong move personally. Um, Because, you know, if, especially even if you want to move on to a young quarterback, which is what the Chargers made clear, that's what they wanted to do. You know, Cam Newton just got signed with the Patriots, for example. And so that brought up more questions of like, cause that was for a while. It was like, Oh, maybe the Chargers would look at Cam Newton because here, like, we have this roster that maybe a lot of people think is potentially capable of winning some games next year, but you just need to add a quarterback. But the Chargers clearly had no intention of adding a veteran quarterback. They just wanted to bring in a young guy. But I think if you're going to bring in a young guy, it would make a lot of sense to keep Philip Rivers around for just another year. And that's the contract he signed in Indianapolis was a, just a year contract. Um, I think there was, a, there was a movement within the coaching staff that probably 
went up to the upper management and that Anthony Lynn wanted to start over. He wanted Tyrod Taylor. He wanted kind of to install his, I don't think Anthony Lynn, Philip Rivers, the Philip Rivers chargers is a very, it's a pass happy shotgun oriented offense. And that, you know, Philip Rivers is a gunslinger too. So he takes a lot of risks. So he could kind of turn the ball over uh, probably more than Anthony Lynn liked. So I think, I think there was a concerted effort to kind of move on from him. I think that was the coaching staff's decision. I think it's a mistake personally. But at this point, you just have to live with it. Um, I'm glad they drafted, brought in a young guy because they had to. If you're going to get rid of Philip Rivers, I mean, Tyrod Taylor's, he's not the answer long term. So, like a stopgap, yeah, like a transitional exactly. quarterback. But it, it is weird because, like, would you rather have Tyrod Taylor mentor your rookie or would you rather Philip Rivers? I mean, it, just on a straight up, you know, on that question, like, mm-hmm. I think most people would say, Philip Rivers probably be the better guy than mentor. Yeah. I think the only, the only like devil's advocate I would say to that is that Phillip's mindset is even if he's completely washed, he's like Brett Favre. He's really similar to Brett Favre where totally yeah. he's not going to mentor a young guy because no matter what he thinks he's better, you know, he's like, I don't want to give away any mm-hmm. of my secrets. Tyrod is Tyrod is the guy you bring in when you, you know, you have a young quarterback and you know Tyrod's okay with just starting four games, you know, first four games mm-hmm. of the year. Yeah. And then he'll take his backup job, still make racks. And then he can come in if your starter gets injured and it's like, it's okay. You know, it's not the end of the world. So that's maybe yeah. the only thing is like, they maybe they didn't think, because Phillip's obviously not, he's not giving up right now. Like he just signed a $25 million one year right. contract for a really good team too. So a team that thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl or mm-hmm. has a chance to win the Super Bowl. That is, um, no, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think Tyrod Taylor is a, I don't think he's a bad person to have mentor your young quarterback. I think he's a, I mean, he's a veteran. He's, he's a 10 year league veteran. He's started games. He started playoff games. Um, so I think he's a, he's a good person to have there. It's better than, you know, Cincinnati situation or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but I still just think, and also Philip Rivers, I don't know his, Personal, I don't think he's quite like Brett Favre in that he'd completely ignore a rookie. I think he would mentor him to a certain extent, um, though I would say he would be more focused on himself and like that mm-hmm. season and winning for sure. Because um, obviously, like you said, Philip Rivers believes that he can still win and perform at a high level. And by the way, this I could be Philip Rivers could have a terrible season next year with the Colts, and you know things could go shitty there, and then that makes me look pretty bad. I guess um, I'm willing to accept that if that's the case. I still think he has something in the tank, but. I mean, no one could deny he had a bad season last year. He threw a lot of interceptions. I would go back to the point that they didn't do a lot for him in the offseason. He, he had a bad offensive line. They didn't give him a lot of help in terms of that. Um, so I think that contributed a lot to his season. I think kind of trying to blame Phillip Rivers for what happened to the Chargers last year is the incorrect way to analyze the season. Um, yeah, no, I agree. And we'll get into yes, because the O-line is one of the, I think, the biggest areas that you guys improved this off season. Um, so yeah, uh, Philip rivers is definitely one of the quarterbacks this year who was like, I could see it going either super well and the, you know, the Colts, they could even get to the super bowl. Like that wouldn't be right. the most surprising thing, but at the same time he could be done. Like this could be, he signed a one year deal. So yeah. I think the Colts were even like, we're going to gamble on you, but it's only for this year in yeah. case, you know, you're, if you're washed up, then you're off our books next year. No, totally. And I think, um, you know, I think uh, Philip Rivers, I think there's no excuse, I guess, is what, you know, like he has, he probably has the best offensive line in, in football right now. Mm-hmm. He's got enough weapons around him. And like you said, he's on a good team. So if, if it doesn't happen for him this year, I think it's fair to say, yeah, he's just, he's done, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, and then Melvin Gordon, I feel like there's no love loss between him and Charger fans just because yeah. of this past year with this holdout and everything. But how do you think that's a big loss or are you good with, I'm, you know, Eckler and Justin Jackson? I mean, I would rather have him on my team than not have him on my team. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a disappointment because if you look like at the beginning of his holdout, of course we offered, we offered him a bigger contract than what he ended up signing with the Broncos so you know there is a there's a world where Melvin Gordon is you know under a a new contract with the Chargers that's pretty reasonable for him and both the team we're still able to sign guys like Austin Eckler to an extension Um, you know like I was saying the Chargers I think are trying to move into a more run oriented zone uh, running scheme with Anthony Lynn and Austin Eckler 
is, in my opinion, he's a great scat back. He's he, but he's a number two. That's where he's going to be at his best is when you're able to line him up outside and have another guy in the backfield and be able to motion him in and out and do stuff like that. And I think I don't think he's a he's not a guy you want to give the ball to 30 times a game or even 20 times a game carrying it. You know, I just don't think he has the the physical build or that's just not his running style. So it would have been nice to have uh, Melvin Gordon there if we could get him for the right deal. And it's unfortunate that he goes to Denver where mm-hmm. honestly, I see him succeeding and have, you know, he scored a lot of touchdowns when he was in uh, Los Angeles and San Diego. And I don't think that's going to be any different in Denver. I think he's going to have a lot of success there. Um, so the charges will have to reckon with that. But with that being said, I think Justin Jackson, who I presume is the guy that's going to come in and play that role of a more, uh, the heavy back, I guess, or a goal line type guy. I, I'm confident in him. He's shown a lot uh, from the minimal amount of time we've been able to see him. See him, but he's had some injury problems, and so you wonder if you know if he's not able to get the job done. We drafted a guy, Joshua Kelly. Shout but out, I just, UC Davis. Uh, sorry, sorry. I thought it was UCLA. Went to Davis and then transferred oh, okay. to UCLA. Okay, sorry. Yeah. So I had so to shout out, no, no, <laughs> shout out UC Davis, because uh, you know if he gets the job done, dude, I'll rep your school all day long, bro. All day. Um, but. Uh, yeah, so I just – I would prefer to see Austin Eckler in a, in a more uh, t- number two role than in that number one role. So mm-hmm. that's why I think the Melvin Gordon departure is significant. But. Yeah, but last year, I would say on the – you know, on, in terms of the running back front, last year was just a weird year with Melvin Gordon holding out and then coming back. How many games did he – he came back in like, what, six games into the season? Yeah, I think it was like six games. Yeah, and so it's – it's not surprising that he wasn't, he didn't look like, you know, the right. Melvin Gordon that we were used to. So it's kind of, it made him look bad. So that's probably why he didn't get paid that much this year. Right. So it was just bad for both parties because I think he's, I think he's still good. No, he's a competent, he's, I would say he's like a top 10 running back, maybe, you know, in the league. He's definitely not a top five guy. And I think that was always mm-hmm. the problem was he viewed himself as elite. But I think if you asked any Charger fan who really watched the games, You'd say Melvin Gordon is a great back. He's very productive. Um, he's able to score touchdowns, but he kind of lacked that certain spark that you see with guys mm-hmm. like uh, Zeke Elliott or Todd Gurley when Todd Gurley mm-hmm. was Todd Gurley. Um, yep. Yeah. And I, I mean, I had Melvin Gordon in fantasy two years ago when he won me the league. And I still even, I could even separate it. Like he was a great fantasy running back, right. but watching the games, it wasn't, he would score, like you mentioned, he would score a lot of touchdowns, but they were, just like oh a three-yard run it wasn't you know Zeke Elliott breaking eight tackles you know right no totally I think um yeah I think uh I don't know what the exact numbers are but he definitely had a higher percentage of like one yard touchdowns I think than any other running back in the league and so yeah when you see a guy it's like oh he scored you know 15 touchdowns last year it's like and if you have him for fantasy you might have that impression like oh my god this guy is a beast but you know anyone could score a lot of touchdowns if you hand them the ball at the one yard line look at LeGarrette Blunt or something mm-hmm. like that you know? yep it's more just a product of the offense exactly um, and so speaking of Justin Jackson so so last year he had he only had 29 carries but 200 yards so super small sample size but that's seven yards a carry right um, and you only have to make up so Melvin Gordon only had 162 carries last year so it's not like you lost a guy who had you know 250 plus carries Right. I think Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly can combine to make up that 160 carries easily. No, I think so too. I mean, that's, that's the hope. And I mean, that's what it has to be is because, because uh, like I said, with Austin Eckler, if, if he's your guy that you're relying on to carry the ball all the time, it's just not going to happen. And mm-hmm. I, I like Justin Jackson a lot. I was kind of an advocate early on of giving him more carries. Cause like you said, he had that seven point something mm-hmm. uh, yards per carry, which is just fucking ridiculous. And that kind of, when you watched him, that's kind of what you saw is like every time he got the ball, he seemed to be able to take it for at least, you know, seven yards or so. Um, right. You would see him and be like, who, who is this? He just got No, really. Yards. Oh, eight. You're like, what? Who, who is this guy? Yeah. No, I remember like versus Detroit, he had like a 60 yard mm-hmm. touchdown run that was called back. It was, I was honestly like one of the greatest touchdown runs I've ever seen. <laughs> so he's, he's flashed that kind of like, when I talk about spark that Melvin mm-hmm. Gordon lacked, I think uh, Justin Jackson has shown that he might have that kind of spark. Uh, but again, like I said, he's struggled to stay on the field. He's had a lot of health problems early in his career. Um, so hopefully he can overcome those. So. Yeah. And this is, I'm, I'm assuming, I mean, the, the whatever off season uh, OTAs have been pushed back, I think. So it only gives running backs, especially more time to, you know, rest up and 
be right. fresher for the season. Um, so I think, yeah, I think running back shouldn't be an issue. But speaking of Tyrod Taylor um, combined with the running backs you guys have, think about the last time we saw Tyrod Taylor as a starter for a mm-hmm. whole season was that Bills team, right. 17, right, where they made the playoffs. Right. And I, I went back, I looked at that roster just to see what weapons did he have. He has insanely better weapons this year with the Chargers than he had Definitely. on that Bills team. So so that Bills roster, he led them nine and seven, made the playoffs, obviously. Only I mean, they almost beat the what was it, the Jags? The Jaguars who almost beat in the, the first round. Yeah. Right. Ten zero. Right. Probably the worst football game I've ever watched. Um, but still, you know, close game, but can you guess here? I'll tell you who the bills leading receiver was that year. It was LaShawn McCoy. Yes. He, no, that team had nine catches. The team had no offense whatsoever. And then here, wait till I read you the next four guys. So these are the top five in receptions for that bills team. So McCoy's number one, number two, Charles clay, basically out of the league. Number three, Deontay Thompson. Not on a current roster. No idea who that is. Number four, Zay Jones, who I didn't even know he was. He was like a super high draft pick. He's barely in the league. And number five, Jordan Matthews, who you remember from the Eagles. Yes, he played uh, three total games last year for two different teams. So he's essentially out of the league. Wow. So Tyrod Taylor led that team to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean. That should give you a lot of hope that things should be better. I mean, granted, with that Bills, that Bills offense was terrible, mm-hmm. and it was just terrible all around. Um, Anthony Lynn was the offensive coordinator of that team, actually. Um, oh, and, yeah. I did not know that. Right. So that's his connection to Tyrod. But, um, I mean, fuck. Tyrod Taylor, man, he's been in the league for nine years. You know, I think he's been a starter for like two and a half of those years. I just don't think in the NFL – I think if someone were capable of being a successful starter or leading a team to the playoffs consistently, I think you would get that job, you know? And I, so I think the fact that he's been a backup for as long as he has been losing jobs to people like Baker Mayfield and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, um, doesn't bode well in my opinion, because to me, he's a backup quarterback. That's what he is. But like I said, I think the chargers, their outlook this season is more going to be about, uh, running the ball and trying to not turn it over and playing really good defense and kind of having a conservative offense, which has kind of been not what the Chargers have been about for a while now, but um, you know, he might be better suited to do that than Philip Rivers for sure. Like, I think you could argue that. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, maybe not a fun, I don't know. Are the Chargers ever fun to watch as a Chargers I think the Chargers, I mean, (laughs) define fun. Yeah, I was going to say fun. What is fun? Entertaining, I guess. Like, they they definitely keep your eyes fucking glued to the screen. Like, you Mm -hmm. can't look away, whether it's fucking horrible or it's amazing, (laughs) which it rarely is. Um, So that's like, when people talk shit about the Chargers, I'm always like, their games always go down to the wire, like, regardless. So they're an entertaining team to watch. But I do think you could argue that they're not going to be as fun to watch, for sure. Like, I mean, Philip Rivers' gunslinger style is going to be out the door. And uh, like I said, we're just going to be a lot more runs, a lot more kind of West Coast uh, play action, kind of like what you see from the 49ers, except probably way less creative because the Chargers don't have smart people like that on mm-hmm. that coaching staff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say maybe they could be – the Chargers could easily be this year's version of last year's Titans where, you know, Ryan yeah. Tannehill who yeah. – has always been just an average quarterback. He's just a white Tyrod Taylor, you know, semi <laughs> good run game and a solid defense. So maybe that's all. No, I do think that's that's the idea, and especially because I mean Jimmy Garoppolo was in the fucking Super Bowl last year, right? Mm-hmm. And I think wasn't the whole thing Jimmy Garoppolo in the uh, NFC uh, Championship game. I think he only threw like less than ten passes mm-hmm. for like ridiculously low numbers, whatever it was. I can't remember. But um, so I think there's a precedent out there in the NFL of you don't need a great quarterback to necessarily get to the Super Bowl. I mean, Rex Grossman has played in a Super Bowl. You know, Blake Bortles has made it to, like you said, he made it to the conference championship, mm-hmm. right? And almost beat the Patriots. There. Almost. So like should have yeah. beat the Patriots. Yep. Tannehill with his run last year. Um, you know, even, even Nick Foles, I think winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles can be thrown in there to a certain mm-hmm. extent. So, I mean, there's a precedent out there for – having just a very average quarterback who kind of just is more of a game manager than someone that's going to go win you the game. But then again, you look at last year, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't win the Super Bowl 
Patrick Mahomes did. And the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because of Patrick Mahomes and mm-hmm. the things Solely. he did. Right. Um, so I guess for me, when it comes to Tyrod Taylor, is you wonder about what is the ceiling for the Chargers next year. I have mm-hmm. no doubt that they could have a season where they go like 10 and 6 or maybe, you know, get to the divisional or even a championship round. But it's hard, it's hard to see the Chargers getting to that far or winning a Super Bowl, you know, with Tyrod Taylor at quarterback. But I think everything else around him is already there. And that's why it's just that, that weird, that kind of at the beginning of the podcast where I was talking about that weird feeling you have going into the season because mm-hmm. you feel like you have all the pieces in place except for maybe the most important position, which you had a guy last year that you felt like. To me, if you put Phillip Rivers on this team, I guess. Yeah. The war zone out here in Highland Park. But uh, if you put Phillip Rivers on this team, I just think it goes from a team that has, you know, maybe a chance of being having a good season to winning a Super Bowl. Um, that's why I think the dream scenario for any Charger fan this season is Justin Herbert somehow wins the job week one. Like, I don't think there's really any chance that that happened at all. Yeah. Um, a Tyrod Taylor injury. But I think you could at least argue if Herbert's at quarterback, they have a higher ceiling. And I don't even mm-hmm. know if Herbert's capable of in the NFL, but I know they'd have a higher ceiling than uh, what's capable of Tyrod Taylor. They might have a lower floor too, but yeah. Yeah, that's what I think about. So I said Ty- I brought up the Bills season where Tyrod Taylor made the playoffs, but the last time we actually saw him as like a, you know, a bridge quarterback was with the, with the uh, Browns right. and Baker Mayfield. And that worked out super well for <laughs> Baker Mayfield, at least for that season. Right, for that season. Yeah, exactly. and you think about, but that that Browns team had nobody. That was pre-Odell. It was just Jarvis Landry, basically. Right. No Nick Chubb, no Kareem Hunt. Uh, it was right. like Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde, I think, were the running backs. And Exactly. Yeah. And if you look at the, the, that Browns team, and specifically those first four games, what I remember about that is like, um, I think the Browns tied the Steelers that first week when Tyrod Taylor – and then they lost a couple games versus good teams that they should have mm-hmm. won, but they were very close games. So that's kind of worries me in that. Cause that's what I kind of see the same thing happening where it's like, you're, you're competing with good teams and you know, Tyrod Taylor is like, he's good enough to keep you in the game, but can he really go win you the game? Which is what Phillip Rivers, you sometimes he would lose you the game, but you knew he had the ability at least to go win you the game. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Tyrod Taylor has that ability. I don't even think the coaches, coaching staff would uh, kind of give him that. Like, I don't think, I don't see them letting him loose like they would Phillip Rivers to go do something like that. Uh, so that's where you, as a fan, you kind of, you wonder. Yeah. And if we're comparing that scenario, uh, like that, that Browns team to this Chargers team, Justin Herbert was not the number one overall pick. Like Mayfield was Justin Herbert didn't win right. a Heisman like Mayfield did. Exactly. So, you know, maybe he's not, that same level of QB but at the same time like we're we both like Oregon football I don't know what the hell to make of Herbert you know (laughs) neither do I man I'm like at this point as a fan all I can do is hope for the best you know but uh it even worries me because you hear things like oh the Chargers would have taken Tua if he was there Mm -hmm. and that's scary because now you're thinking like fuck did we really take the guy that we thought was the third best quarterback I think most times you have a team like in the top 10 and they're taking, like, they're just going to take the guy that falls to them. That usually mm-hmm. doesn't work out pretty well. Um, and yeah, Herbert, he's just, he's a mystery. And he's got all the physical intangibles, you know. He's got the fucking rocket arm, comparable probably even to Mahomes, right? He's got the athleticism to move around in the pocket and run around. And he's got the prototypical size at 6'6, six, six, two something. Um, but you wonder about his decision making. And like at Oregon, I think anyone who watched those games last year kind of looked at the offense sometimes like what's going on? Like, this Mm -hmm. is not the Oregon I'm used. Like, why are they so conservative? Like, why is it such a difficulty to score? Like, I mean, the Rose bowl, which was kind of given as his uh, crowning moment because granny scored three touchdowns, you know, he scored the game winning touchdown on an incredible run. But I think what a lot of people forget about that game is the whole second half, the Oregon offense couldn't, it couldn't do anything, you know? Uh, And you have a four-year starting quarterback, a guy that's literally been starting for this team for four years, and I think you just expect a little bit more out of him. Yeah. So, yeah, he's, it kind of bewilders me a little bit too. Yeah, because I expected him this past year at Oregon to just completely ball out. Like, 
right. be someone that you watch an Oregon game. And it's like Mariota, like every play you're like, Oh, he either created the play or he was the decoy, you know, where the defense had to worry about him so much that they forgot about somebody else. And he would just disappear too often in Oregon oh, yeah. games. It was, it was very weird watching that shit. Yeah. Sure. And at the same time, college games, it's hard to judge like, you know, how right. good people are going to be because how did you know Lamar Jackson and Pat Mahomes, Pat Mahomes exactly. weren't like no one, they didn't come into the league. Neither of them came into the NFL and it's like, Oh, these guys are going to be great right away. And next thing you know, two best quarterbacks in the league probably. Yeah. I think you could also, like I was talking about earlier, I think how the Chargers are moving to a more uh, West coast style kind of screen play action oriented offense. You know, Justin Herbert did a lot of that. Granted it was, mm-hmm. it was in shotgun, but I think, uh, I think that's the Chargers intention when he comes to play, or especially if we were to see him this year, I think you just see a lot of, uh, you know, screen passes or play action stuff where he only has one read to make. Mm-hmm. So I think um, the coaching staff and how they, they treat him and the kind of plays that they give him, and that's going to go a long way in his success, I believe. Cause he's definitely, he's the type of guy. If you, you coach him the wrong way, if you, you know, try to treat him like he's Patrick Mahomes or something like that, things could go wrong pretty quickly. So I think it's 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 important that the Chargers have a very specific game plan that they want to use when he's at quarterback. And hopefully, I mean, my hope is that he is able to sit this whole season. Um, and Tyrod Taylor is, is good enough and the Chargers are successful so that Herbert doesn't have to come in. Because I'm still someone that firmly believes that if a quarterback is able to sit a season under a veteran and watch and learn, that's going to be extremely beneficial for him. I just, just look at, you know, Patrick Mahomes or someone mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and even uh, Lamar Jackson had to at least sit like a quarter to half right. behind Flacco, who was trash. Yeah, yeah. so that yeah, it <laughs> usually helped. And even Baker Mayfield that year balled out his rookie year because he got to sit out the first couple games and watch. Okay, here, so let's a couple more additions to the Chargers. Uh, we'll start with the offensive line. So Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga. What are your just initial thoughts on bringing those guys in? Well, I, I thought the Trey Turner trade was a big win, mostly because I mean Russell Okun, who was you know a really solid left tackle for us two years ago. Last year, he I think he only played probably three games, three four games, and even in those games, he was in and out of the the rotation because he was dealing with injuries. He has a blood uh, blood clot issue too, which uh, prior to the start of last season, from what I had read, meant that possibly he might have to retire, like he might never play again. And he's up there in age. I think he's already – he's like 30 in his mid-30s. Um, where Trey Turner is, is only 26. Mm-hmm. He's made five Pro Bowls in a row. So I thought, I thought that was a win for the Chargers, and especially because I think Carolina had to get rid of Trey Turner for reasons not involving football. And so I think sometimes that's how a team could kind of come up on a, a good trade like that. Um, so I think the trade itself was a big win for the Chargers. But it left – Trey Turner does not play left tackle. He's a, he's a right guard. Um, or oh, sorry, he's a yeah, he's a right he is guard. Right guard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, you know, that's it's left the left tackle position open. Um, Brian Bulaga is another great addition. He's a really, really solid lineman, although he's also had injury problems, which is kind of why we were able to get him. I think we got him on a three year, thirty million dollar deal, which is pretty cheap for uh someone of his caliber, but I think that's because mm-hmm. of injury situations. So um he's a solid, really solid right tackle as long as he stays healthy. But the biggest problem with our line right now is that we just don't have a left tackle. And I think a lot of Charger fans thought that we would address that in the draft, if not with the first pick, the second pick, or at least the third pick. But we went the whole draft without drafting an offensive lineman, which is actually the first time in Tom Telesco's history as a GM that he's gone a full draft without drafting a lineman when he's probably needed one more than ever. So it's a bizarre, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so the people that are competing for the left uh, guards or left tackle spot at this point is you're going to have um, uh, Trey Pipkins, who was a fourth round uh, prospect we drafted last year, who was kind of drafted with the idea that, you know, he was going to be mentored and uh, we we're going to bring him up slowly. And then you have Forrest Lamb, who was a top draft pick three years ago, who's had a lot of injury problems, hasn't played a lot for the Chargers. And I think the last guy you have is Trent Scott, who occupied that position a lot for the Chargers last year and was just absolutely horrific like no if you look at the rankings he's just the worst he's literally the worst um so it's gonna you know you're betting a lot on 
hoping that basically either Trey Pipkins or Forrest Lamb can step up and play that role. The Chargers brought in a new offensive line coach. I think uh, bringing him in, they're putting a lot of faith in his ability to kind of rework the line and teach guys like Trey Pipkins or Forrest Lamb and maybe bring out the best in them. But again, to me as a fan, that seems like you're putting a lot of stock in a coach trying to turn a guy around opposed to, you know, just getting a guy that you know is going to be a solid player at that position. Mm-hmm. And so you're going into a season in which you potentially, you know, if Tyrod Taylor gets injured or whatever, could have a rookie quarterback starting and have his blind side being blocked by, you know, a second year guy who really doesn't have any experience and isn't very good uh, at playing the position. So I still think it's a, I think the offensive line for the Chargers has improved a lot. Trey Turner and Brian Belaga are uh, big additions. I mean, hopefully Pouncey is able to come back and be healthy. If not, Cuisenberry, I think, is a solid uh, center. To have Dan Feeney is nothing special, but he'll play the, uh, the left guard spot good enough. So it's really that left half position. If Trey Pipkins, like, I would love to see the guy, you know, uh, turn into what the Chargers hoped that he would turn into when they drafted him. But as a second-year guy that barely played last year, and when he did play, he didn't have a lot of success. You know, it's hard to uh, get there as a fan. But Yeah, and I don't know if – I just looked at the Chargers' depth chart. Apparently – so Sam Tevy, they have him right. starting at left tackle right now. Yeah, okay, I forgot about Sam Tevy, who played uh, – he was mostly our right tackle last okay. year. And so what the Chargers coaches say about him is that he has good left tackle feet. But, again, you're talking about a guy who's been with your team for a couple years – has been at his best a decent or average right tackle, and now you're you're saying, oh, we're just going to move him over to the left tackle, and that's going to fix everything. Mm-hmm. That just seems like uh, wishful thinking to me, a little bit. I mean, again, yeah. I would love to see it happen. I'm not I'm not on the practice field with these guys, so uh, I don't you know know what kind of progress he's making or anything like that. But just based off what I've seen of him in the past, it's hard to imagine that him just switching the left tackle is going to make him better all of a sudden. I think they're kind of doing the same thing with Forrest Lamb because Forrest Lamb played left guard in college. Mm-hmm. But uh, mostly, he, I think he was playing uh, right tackle for us. So I think they're saying, oh, you know, him moving back over to the left side, it's going to be way more comfortable for him. But, I mean, this is a guy that hasn't even been able to stay on the field, let alone produce as a productive player. So it just it kind of feels like you're grasping at straws a little bit with your whole – maybe the most important position on the field that no one really talks about, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. But I guess, I I guess Trey Turner and Brian Bulaga alone, those additions should be enough to, okay. So it's an improved line. Yeah. Yeah. Pro. Okay. So pro football focus does, you know, all their, their rankings for everything. And they ranked all 32 offensive lines and the chargers were 29th out of 32 last year. So, just adding yeah. those two guys alone should at least at the very minimum put them, you know, just in the, like the middle of the pack. Right. I mean, that's yeah. all you could hope too. Mm-hmm. Cause being in the middle of the pack from being 29th, I think is a, is a huge jump, probably a bigger jump from being in the middle of the pack to like first or second, I would even mm-hmm. say. Yeah. You know? um, and I think having Tyrod Taylor, who's a more mobile quarterback, obviously than Philip can't run rivers is, um, you know, is, is a big deal too i think um so the offensive line has improved i think with the running game too that'll help that uh, mm-hmm. big time because we've struggled to run the ball a lot in the past and like i said before anthony lynn that's his whole thing is i want to run the football you know like <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I'm a smash man. mouth yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. he's a former running back so um <laughs> you know i think trey turner specifically with that is going to help a lot so the offensive line is better uh, a lot better and by the way I don't want to keep going back to the Philip Rivers thing because this is just the past, you know, but 29th best offensive line last season, you know, that's got to have something to do with your quarterback's play. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying is, geez, it's just like if Philip Rivers had this offensive line, not even like the Colts offensive line, but just this one, you yeah. wonder what he could do. Um, yeah. That's where it's kind of unfair to blame the Chargers struggles last year completely on Philip because then that's probably why the Colts are a really smart. They might be the best run organization right now mm-hmm. and they, so they probably looked at him and were like oh he did terrible last year but look at the line he had exactly we have maybe the best line in the league right. let's get him let's see what he can do you exactly. know for one year yeah exactly. and even if if um if 
Herbs, Justin Herbert has to come in for you guys next year. Like you mentioned with Tyrod, Herbert is mobile, so that helps. Even if you have a bad line, right? If your QB is mobile, that it's not as big of a deal. Definitely. No, I think that's. And again, going back to getting rid of Philip Rivers, Anthony Lynn has gone on and on about how he likes uh, he likes mobile quarterbacks and how he thinks that's the future. I mean, granted, mobile quarterback has never really won the Super Bowl, even in the modern era. But um, yeah, I think I think that's what he was looking for. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's, I mean we'll get to what you think about the coaching staff in general later, but yeah, it's that kind of makes sense. I mean, Matt, Pat Mahomes is like a mobile quarterback, but that's obviously not his. Right, I mean he's a, like his backup weapon. He's able to run. I guess mm. if anything, he's the prototype of kind of like the Aaron Rodgers type guy that is. He's a pocket passer first, but he has the ability to scramble around, mm-hmm. get out of the pocket, maybe run for ten yards. That was yeah. not something Phil Rivers really ever did outside of like one or two times in season tops right so no i think it i think it's it adds another element to your offense that you didn't have before so it's good in that respect yeah Uh, okay let's go to we'll switch to the other side of the ball so on defense what do you want to do first the secondary or the the d line let's let's go uh let's go in to out so let's d line okay so d line so i mean joey bosa melvin ingram and then you guys added linval joseph who not you know not like a stud stud but if that's your starting d tackle you could do a lot worse than that no i think that's a i think Linball joseph is tight as fuck i was really stoked on that yeah so what are you thinking i mean the chargers have what top five at worst pass rush duo in terms of ingram and bosa uh i think so i mean at their best um ingram definitely kind of took a step step back last year to the point that a lot of people kind of think even Nacheno Nuosu, who is going to be a third-year guy out of USC, might even be a better play there. Um, and I think if you look at the stats, you could maybe make that argument. Um, but I also think Ingram is going to be in a contract year, and I think he's going to want a big contract. So I think that could play a lot into him having a, a bounce-back season from last year. Joey Bosa, had, a, you know, he was one of the leaders in sacks last year, and he's also on a contract season. And he's definitely a guy that I think – sees himself as maybe the highest paid uh, pass rusher in the league. So I expect him to have a very big season, um, if anything, just to try to make money next year. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that being said, you know, the Chargers, they blitzed, I think at the lowest, here I have it right here. The Chargers were, blitz rate last year was 14.5%, which is the lowest of any team last year and also the lowest of any team since 2010. So they have an over-reliance kind of on Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and that hoping like, we only need to rush four, but we have such great outside uh, rushers that we're going to be able to get there. But more often than that, that just wasn't the case. There are games where they dominated, like the Packers game, but there are games uh, like Houston where they just weren't able to get to the quarterback. And because of it, we had just no pass rush. And it was just it was very easy for other teams to move the ball. So that's why I think Linval Joseph is a crucial signing because we have never really gotten any uh, pass rush from our uh, interior linemen. And that's kind of – he's a good run stopper, but Linval Joseph is also someone that's – I think he had like four and a half sacks last year or something like that. And those four and a half sacks, I think if you could add that to the Chargers uh, uh, sack repertoire this year, I think that's a big deal is having that interior interior rush added alongside your um, your uh, outside rushers. Yeah, that'll just, that'll just cause havoc basically in the middle where you can't – you know, you can't do too much to help your tackles – against Bosa and Ingram because then you just leave Linval Joseph one-on-one and he'll just bulldoze somebody basically. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I also think um, Jerry Tillery, who was our first round pick last year, you know, I wasn't happy with that pick when we made it. And then last year he really underperformed. Um, so I think it's, it's him, the progressions he makes this season. Uh, Cause that was part of supposed to be part of his deal is that he's able to rush the quarterback, but he didn't have any sacks last year, only a couple QB rushes. So I think if, if he's able to also take another step and be a guy that you could bring in in the rotation, um, you know, that's going to make a big difference. But again, that he could just be another bust. So we'll yeah. see this year. We'll yeah. See. And then I don't, yeah. I, did, I So I just kind of looked into the D line and the secondary, but he, what do you, what do you think about the linebacker linebacking core? Cause Denzel Perriman, you know, I recognize that name. And then Kenneth Murray first round pick yeah. was a 23rd overall this year. Yeah. Um, are they like kind of just guys or are they, are they legit? 
I mean, Denzel Perriman, when he, he was a second round or third round pick when he came in, he was a big, big deal. He was a great pick. He was, he's really was the, the hammer for our, our defense for a long time. And when he wasn't in the game, our run defense suffered mightily. Um, there was decisions. There was a lot of people wondered if we were going to bring him back this year. We did sign him to a two-year contract extension. Um, I think that's just because we, we, we needed the depth on the linebackers. Uh, had we not drafted Kenneth Murray, I would feel a lot less good about our linebacking core. But with him in there, I think he's the type of guy that whether he's going to be a pro bowler or not, he's going to be someone that you could plug in and he's going to be competent. You know, he's at the very least, he's going to be maybe like the league average. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a, that was a big draft pick in terms of everyone knew the Chargers had to add some linebacker depth. Um, I'm glad we got rid of Thomas Davis, who was kind of like our big signing last year right the fucking 46 year old fucking linebacker that no one wanted from carolina mm-hmm. who made a lot of tackles but we, ultimately he was just very slow he was terrible in coverage and he kind of just hurt the defense overall and so i'm glad he's gone i think we got a lot younger in our linebacking core we added a nick i think it's nick vigil or virgil he's a guy from cincinnati white dude um he's a pretty consistent player again he's not going to blow anybody out of the water but he's He's going to make tackles, and he's going to, he's going to get his numbers. Uh, Drew Tranquil, who was a fourth-round pick last year, as a rookie, he had a big season, uh, made a lot of impact on special teams, and then eventually he worked his way into the rotation and played really well as a linebacker. I think he's a good rotational uh, will linebacker. Um, so I think Kenneth Murray and um, Denzel Perryman will split Mike duties. Okay. Um, with Hopefully Kenneth Murray will overtake Denzel Perryman uh, eventually and become the, the Mike – the full-on like uh, Mike linebacker himself, um, but it is a position to monitor for them for sure. I think if there's any injuries, that could be a problem. Kaiser White is a guy that we brought in. Uh, we drafted two years ago. He was a safety in college, and we kind of trying to make him one of those hybrid safety linebackers, kind of in the model of a Derwin James type, and that's been hit and miss for him. So I think he's another guy to watch out for if he could kind of figure it out and they could find a role for him. I think that would add a lot of depth to the linebacking core. But at the very least, I think we have a lot of speed there. So it will serve them well. Yeah, they're at least interesting. And, you know, for a linebacking core where you have that good of a a D-line plus, you know, a really good secondary, which we're about to get into, all you know, all you need them to do is just not be terrible. Right. You, know, you don't need them to be Clay Matthews in his prime or Luke Keekley or anything exactly. like that. Just, you know, just don't do anything. Just don't fuck up horribly right i guess the problem I, the biggest problem though with the linebackers would be depth for sure because denzel perriman is another guy that's been in and out of the lineup he struggled mm-hmm. with injury issues so if like if he goes down you're going to be okay but then if another guy goes down after that then you start getting into like okay and now we're bringing in guys off the streets which is that's dangerous. not something you ever yeah. want to be doing but it always feels like the charters find themselves in that situation where we're you know hiring defensive players off the streets to come mm-hmm. in and play for us that's like i think one of the most dangerous positions to find yourself in as an NFL team is when you have, you know, your star linebacker gets injured and you have to pick up that random white dude who just, right. you know, he was good in college cause he was crazy. And then you just see him every play they show the replay. Oh, he went the wrong way on a run play and no one's there. And the running back just boom, touchdown 80 yeah. yards. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think with the run game, especially, which is cause you talked about, we'll get into the secondary, which I think is one of the stronger parts of the chargers team overall. But, uh, I think, you know, a lot of people look at defensive line. We think of run game, but I think middle, the middle linebacking core is just as important. It's not more important when it comes to stopping the run. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be really important. One more thing I would say about Kenneth Murray too, is, um, in college, he was a big blitzer. I think he, he had like a lot of sacks in college. So, um, I think he might be able to add to the pass rush. Kind of like what I was talking about is Gus Bradley has realized that he's going to have to blitz more this next season, regardless of what Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa are able to do. And so I think Kenneth Murray will provide an edge uh, in no pun intended in that situation too. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's not fair to look at him and say, Oh, Oklahoma big 12 team, no defense is played. You know, he had Heisman winners as his quarterbacks so, right. of course, you know, he's going to be on the field a lot on defense because his team scores in, what, 30 seconds, you know? so Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not fair to be like, oh, well, his the defenses that he played for gave up 40 points a game. Like, well, yeah, he was on the field for 90, 
you know, 90 snaps a quarter. Right, right. Exactly. Those, those numbers don't matter for a player like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's got – like, he really does have sideline and sideline speed. He's one of these guys that can make, like, hard hits and just kind of come out of nowhere. He's got a lot of speed. So I like the pick a lot. I think the complaint would be that, you know, it's easier to find those guys than maybe some people would make it seem, like just fast guys that could tackle well. Uh, but hopefully he's more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you draft him in the first round, like that's what at a big time program, then that's what you see in him, hopefully. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's go to the secondary. So, so speaking of, so I mentioned pro football focus, how they have their lists, you know, their rankings of everything. So they made a list of the quote unquote ideal secondary from last season. Mm-hmm. So six players total, right? Two mm-hmm. of them were chargers. So Casey Hayward and Desmond King. And then, mm-hmm. Two more of the two more chargers were honorable mentions. So Chris Harris and Derwin James, even though Derwin James barely played last year and Chris Harris wasn't even on the chargers last year. So that is, I mean, yeah, I mean, is it, I think it's fair to say that the chargers might have the best secondary in football. I, I, that's what I believe personally. I mean, it's hard to look at any other team and say like that they, they're going to have a better secondary. I'm just, I think name recognition alone, the chargers, you know, Casey Hayward has long been um, considered one of the best stalwarts at his position. Chris Harris just kind of occupies that same territory as he's a veteran who just is consistent and reliable and people know what they're going to get from him. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think the Chargers really could potentially have the best secondary. If anything, I think they have a log jam at secondary because I know you talked about Desmond King. Desmond King is an interesting guy because, you know, if you keep up with the Chargers news, there's, he's constantly on the trading block because mm-hmm. um, he kind of – took a step back last season he couldn't find as many snaps as he did in his second year and then he also had some team troubles where he was like violating team rules and he got suspended for a game and so you wonder if there's like a more internal problem there um but another guy that you didn't talk about is Nasir Adderley who we drafted in the second round last year and he was kind of drafted to fulfill Gus Bradley's vision of what he did in Seattle which was have you know uh, a linebacker that's able to play more of like a hybrid or a safety that's able to play more of a hybrid linebacker position like Derwin James. And then you have a deep safety, someone, just one guy that you kind of plug back there, play the Earl, Earl, uh, Earl Thomas, Earl Thomas uh, type role and be able to be a ball hawk. And I think, uh, I think Nasir Adderley is uh, supposed to be that guy. And so I think part of the Desmond King trade rumors is that like, is Nasir Adderley going to play that position? Is Desmond King going to play that position? So, um, I think having a log jam though is it's that's a good problem to have, you know, because yeah. if any of those guys go down, right, you know, you have another guy you bring in. So, yeah. And with I think the way the NFL is going right now, I think teams do like to have like five, you know, five uh, de- defensive backs basically. Right. Because yeah, because one of them you can use as like a hybrid linebacker slash. Because I mean, if you go up against uh, Lamar Lamar Jackson, you don't really want a big linebacker trying to spy on him right. because he'll just burn them. But you also want someone who could cover space in case, you know, a tight end leaks out or whatever. So I think that would, I mean, for, for the chargers, at least like right now, Desmond King on the depth chart is a second string cornerback. Right. He's um, behind Chris Harris and Casey mm-hmm. Hayward, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. With Adderley and Derwin James starting at the safeties, but interesting. But, you know, a lot of teams use more receivers now, so that means you would need a nickel corner. So no, Desmond yeah. King, boom, right there. Exactly. I mean, because that's what Desmond, Pling, uh, Desmond King played uh, the nickel corner position a lot last year. I mean, the problem with the nickel corner is, you know, if you're having an elite player play there, you're only going to bring in that package so many times, you know, like maybe a quarter of the game or something like that. And you'd want him out there more for the quality of player that he is. Um, but I would say the Chargers, that's why – I think they're the best team, at least in their division, to beat the Chiefs is because of the secondary. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the Chiefs and like, what is the strong point of that team? It's undoubtedly Patrick Mahomes and that offensive passing attack. Yeah. So I think uh, someone like Derwin James has done a really good job on uh, uh, Travis Kelsey in the past. Who's you know, there's not a lot of guys out there in the NFL that have the speed and then also the size to try to guard somebody like Travis Kelsey. And Derwin James is one of those few guys that can do something like that and so then Nasir Adderley or even Desmond King uh being able to play that kind of uh deep safety free safety position um to guard someone like Tyreek Hill I think the Chargers are best set up to beat the Chiefs because of their secondary um 
Yeah. 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 And then you could you can never have too many good corners because yeah, like think about Tyreek Hill. He's just gonna be running full speed every play. So if you could have, you know, Casey Hayward guard him for four plays and then the next four plays bring in Desmond King, you know, fresh legs. Right. And Tyreek Hill, he's a monster, but he has to get tired at some point. You know, yeah. so if you just have more pieces to rotate in, like that that's never a bad that's that's a good problem to have. Exactly. Totally. And like I was saying, Desmond King was a he was a first team all pro player two years ago when the Chargers were twelve and four. So um if he's the guy that's like on the fringe of your lineup, I think yeah, that's that's definitely a good problem to have. Yeah, for sure. And it is it does kind of suck that this whole the off season is all messed up, just you know, not normal because you would like to give them more time to work together because it is a lot of new new pieces. Yeah. But I don't know. They should be fine. I mean, yeah. Especially bringing in Chris Harris, like he that's a veteran. He's won a Super Bowl, right? He won exactly. a Super Bowl with the Broncos. Like right. he doesn't need much time to get acclimated. And even if even if he's not the Chris Harris that we're used to, he's still a veteran presence. Like he's not going to be a negative at all, you know. Exactly. I mean, that's how I feel about Casey Hayward too. I don't think Casey Hayward is uh, I mean, a lot of people even last year, like, oh, Casey Hayward is, he's so good. But watching him personally, I was like, yeah, he's, he's good. He, he definitely seems like he lost a step or so. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think he's still a really reliable corner in a league where it's very hard to find guys that can consistently, you know, uh, guard top wide receivers. And I also like the idea of bringing Chris Harris over from the Broncos. I mean, I think anytime, you know, the Broncos kind of did the same thing with Melvin Gordon yeah. like we were talking about earlier. But it's nice to, you know, be able to get him back a little bit. So I think anytime you could bring – a good player over from the other team is kind of a double whammy because you add them and you also minus from the other yeah. team. And, you know, who knows what Chris Harris will kind of info he'll be able to I was say, yeah, and you add all Chargers. of all of the defensive schemes that the Broncos have against exactly. the Chargers. You right. know, it's exactly. like, think about when the, uh, when the Seahawks, when the Legion of Boom started to get broken up, like as soon as Earl Thomas is gone or Cam Chancellor, it's right. it, they completely just crumble exactly you know because they're built up on these three or four guys and as soon as one leaves right. then the other three are not as invested because they're like that was that was my guy who you just you know traded or didn't resign or cut kind of in cold blood so it's like well maybe we should start looking to get out of here yeah exactly and i mean the broncos clearly this offseason went more in that offensive direction too so I think maybe they could, as a team, might be overlooking uh, the impact that losing someone like Chris Harris could potentially have on their team. For sure. Because, I mean, so they don't have Tlaib. He's on the Rams still, right. right? They don't have Chris Harris now. They don't have Derek Wolf. Like, Von Miller is it. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only guy that, left, basically. That once very vaunted defense has mm-hmm. kind of crumbled, for sure. And now they're trying to, you know, they're trying to equal Patrick Mahomes' offense, which, I mean, I've gone into the past. I don't think that's the way to beat the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. So coaching staff, because I, I don't have any thoughts on this just because I don't, I don't know what to think about Anthony Lynn, but I'm sure you have a, a couple of thoughts on <laughs> what do you think the coaching staff is going to bring yeah. to the table or take off the table this year? I like Anthony Lynn as a coach. Like I think he's a one. I think he's just a very good dude in general. Um, but I also think he's a, he's a great motivator. I think the players really respect him. I think they, they believe in him to the extent that they know that he believes in them and that he believes they're capable and that they also know he's dedicated to his job and he wants to win, which is, you know, very important as a, as a coach. And I think, you know, he's a, he's a black, uh, one of the few black NFL coaches in the league, which, you know, I don't think you could really overstate maybe the significance that that could potentially have on a team that is going to be a majority, you know, uh, African-American um, mm. I just think it there might be a level of respect that you don't get otherwise and so I think that's those are the aspects of his coaching that I, I really appreciate and I, I like but um, that's just only one facet of coaching unfortunately and I think his game management his in-game management is very poor the guy he kicks field goals when he should go for it he goes he goes for it when he should kick field goals you know he he's his clock management is terrible he can't challenge plays correctly. He calls timeouts at the wrong time. And uh, frankly, his team just seems unprepared. You know, the Chargers got off to a lot of really bad starts last season. You look at the Steelers game, um, the Tennessee game, 
you know, these were games that were really lost because of just how poorly we started. And I think when you look at a team that's consistently starting poorly, that means they're kind of showing up either unmotivated or unprepared. And to me, that kind of falls on the coaching staff. Um, but for me, it doesn't stop there with Anthony Lane. I mean, last year we fired Ken Wisenhunt kind of in the middle of the year. Ken Wisenhunt was kind of – there had to be a scapegoat for the Chargers' lack of success uh, at the point that they fired him, and he kind of was the scapegoat, I guess. And we brought in Shane Steichen, who was kind of been a, someone we've been grooming in the organization for a long time. This is going to be his first full year as an offensive coordinator, so I don't really know what to expect from him. I mean, based on the numbers from last year, the offense improved a little bit when he was there. Um, but I think anytime you see a coaching staff or a coaching change, rather, uh, you, you expect to see just an, a little bit of an uptick in production just based on maybe motivation or just the fact that there's a change in general. So yeah. I'm not really sure what to expect from him. My other guy is Gus Bradley, who, you know, you were just talking about the Legion of Boom. Gus Bradley was the architect of the Legion of Boom. And he's kind of been trying to recreate that success ever since he's left Seattle. And he, you know, he got close. He got close in uh, two years ago with the Chargers when they went 12 and four. And I think right now you could say he's never had better pieces to make that all a reality. Um, but the guys, like I said, with the blitzing, the Chargers were last in blitzing last year. They had one of the lowest blitzing percentages of the decade, basically. Yeah. And uh, to me, that shows a lack of understanding, but also a, um, a stubbornness to change yeah. what you're doing. And I think if you watch, for example, the Patriots game from two years ago in the playoffs, the divisional a game, the Patriots were shredding us in the first half with short passes, which is how you beat uh, Gus Bradley's scheme and I think as a fan you're like okay we're going to go back into halftime we're going to make some adjustments we're going to change things up we're going to blitz more we're going to find a way to get more pressure we're going to eliminate these short passes and then you come out at a halftime and nothing's changed and I think that's kind of been the MO for Gus Bradley's uh, defenses there's just it's kind of stubbornness to to change or to rush more than four guys when you have a team like the Patriots and Bill Belichick who don't even have a base defense they just run whatever defense best fits the offense that they're playing against right so uh i like gus bradley obviously the guys won a super bowl he's shown he's able to organize defenses to be very elite but uh last year that defense was broken and it's got to get fixed and if it's if it's on anyone it's on him to fix it so uh yeah i guess i'm not going to condemn our coaching staff i think they're all capable of redemption and they could all uh you know work to have a lot better season but i'm definitely skeptical and they have no excuses this season because last right. year you could say you know the o-line was bad uh philip was old or uh derwin james you know bad injury basically missed the whole season but this year there's really it's all set up like you guys have the weapons you know yeah you still have definitely like an upper upper half of the league in terms of receivers uh eckler one of the better running backs in the yeah. league, you know, Hunter Henry, if he could stay healthy and then defenses, we already went through it. Like one of the best pass rushes, one of the best secondaries, like you just have to yeah, put there, it all together. There's no excuse for sure. I mean, roster wise, definitely top half of the NFL, I think. And that's undeniable. Um, so yeah. And like I said before too, I think Anthony Lynn uh, might not have felt like Philip Rivers was kind of fit his scheme. And again, there's no excuse there because now you got, you got your guy, Tyrod Taylor, you know, you're going to be able to Ken Wisenhunt is out. You could fucking tell Shane Steichen to do whatever you want, really, you know? Um, So there's, yeah, there's, there's no excuse. Um, That's why I kind of thought it was weird that the chargers signed Anthony Lynn to a one-year extension this past off season, because you thought like, okay, you know, you go 12 and four, then you go five and 11 this would tend to be the season where it's like, okay, if you either can have that good season again, or if you underperform, you got to let, you got to let him go. Cause here's the reality, man. It's like, if the chargers have another five and 11 type season, it's hard for me to understand how Anthony Lynn could still be the head coach of them. Because like we just said, the roster is undoubtedly it's, it's on the top half of the NFL spectrum. And so if you're not going to make the playoffs, or you're not going to perform up to the level that you should and you do that two years in a row i think you got to go as a head coach but so this is this is a fucking season of reckoning for the chargers you know from the quarterback position to the head to the coaching staff uh you know a lot of guys joey bosa melvin Egan, keenan allen mike williams hunter henry 
these guys are all going to be uh, contracts will be expired come the off season. So this is a big season for the Chargers. It's a new, a new stadium, like new stadium, right. and obviously you know a whole pandemic, uh, <laughs> a whole you know pandemic right. infused off season. Like it's a lot of changes and a new quarterback for the first time in basically two decades. Right. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting season. Let's just we'll end it with what do you think the record is going to be? I think ten and six sounds good. I've been kind of that's the number I've been throwing around mostly. Yeah, I think ten and six. Ten and six is going to mean though that we're we beat the Chiefs at least once. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to have to beat the Broncos. One Broncos or the Raiders. We're going to have to beat one of those teams twice. Um, so you know, the Chargers went zero and six in their division last year, which. That's you, can't a get, fluke. you just can't yeah you can't go yeah. 0 and 6 in your division and like you said it is it does kind of seem like a fluke in that i don't see that happening again um so 10 and 6 sounds right to me i really don't see the chargers going worse than 8 and 8 though like i i think that's i think that's the worst that they could do and i think if they do worse than that then there has to be major changes yeah. made throughout the organization yeah i think i i picked the chargers at nine wins um just because you go through their schedule like you guys have a, an interesting schedule, to yeah. say the least. So, so you have some tough road games. So obviously you have you know Kansas City on the road once, but that is that's week seventeen. So last game of the season, right? Chiefs could already be locked into you know a specific uh, seed, so they might right. rest everybody. And then you also have New Orleans on the road, Buffalo on the road, and Tampa Bay on the road. Right, and Tampa Bay, New Orleans, those are back to back road mm-hmm. games that the yeah. Chargers have. So. No, there's, there are stretches of the schedule. Like, for example, week seven, we take on Miami, and then we play Jacksonville after that, and then we mm-hmm. get the Raiders, and then we have a bye. So you'd say that's probably the easiest little – oh, and we have, we have the Jets before the Dolphins in week six. So that's probably the easiest stretch of their schedule. But from week 11 to week 17 is Broncos at Denver, at Buffalo, home versus New England, home versus the Falcons, who I think will be a lot better, at the Raiders, home versus the Broncos, at the Chiefs. Like, that's a pretty – that's a pretty as a last place team. That's a pretty tough way to end the season. Yeah, the Chargers. It'll be no fluke if they make the playoffs. That's for sure. Like they'll have to have beaten quality opponents consistently. Yeah, and I was gonna say. So in addition to those difficult road games, the reason why I think the the schedule is so interesting is because there's so many teams on there that are like such unknowns. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. both I mean, the teams in the division, the Broncos and the Raiders. Who knows? Like who knows? Drew, right. Drew Lott could be. You know, Mahomes 2.0. Who knows? Uh, Derek Hart. Yeah, probably not. But the Raiders, I mean, they somehow won seven games last year. And we don't even know who's going to start at quarterback for them, really. Right. Like, they have it's Mariota. Derek Carr right now, but yeah. Mariota could, who knows? The Raiders could be solid. Uh, you And also, you said Atlanta. Atlanta could be right. really good. New England, the biggest question mark, probably. Exactly. Because with Cam Newton, Just they could be everything. really good. Yeah. Right. And then. Even like Carolina and Miami, like those are two teams who they look like easy games, but you know, it's Tannehill, Teddy Bridgewater could be uh, Tua. He could be, you know, he could be a monster. The only easy games I would say the Chargers have are Jacksonville and the Jets. And I would say uh, Cincinnati week one. Oh yeah, yeah. But even then, like I was thinking about the Cincinnati game and I think week one, whenever it happens or you know, it's going to, it's going to really, I don't want to put too much too into, cause I always, I think that the first four weeks of the season, especially cause we're going to have a, a shorter preseason. Mm-hmm. I kind of think are like an extended preseason, you know, yeah. these teams are still kind of getting warmed up, but uh, like week one, the chargers are going to be facing the worst team in the NFL with a rookie starting quarterback, right? A, a young second year head coach. Like there's no reason that they should not just fucking destroy the Bengals. So that's why it kind of gives me pause is, is because there's, no reason they shouldn't win, you know <laughs> which is that's exactly when they right. they don't win <laughs> exactly and you know so yeah i think that that game will set the tone for i think the whole season you know if, if the charges should go in there joe burrow should throw fucking three interceptions and they should win 28 to 7 or something like that you know i don't like the idea of playing kansas city week two at home i feel like because like i just said kind of i think that's an extended preseason game and kansas city is going to be your biggest threat to win the division so i think that's a that's a tough. That's a tough draw for the Chargers there. If you want to look at it, uh, glass half full. So Cincinnati, Joe Burrow's first game ever. You know, no rookie quarterback wins their first game. Right. Uh, Kansas City, week two, they just won the Super Bowl. So 
you know, Travis Kelsey is probably <laughs> blacked out right now, or he probably hasn't even started drinking tonight, to be honest. Holmes <laughs> probably is just waking up from a nap. Like they're not going to be taking it seriously until, you know, midway through the season. Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater, new quarterback. Uh, and then Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, Tom Brady new, new quarterback. quarterback. And, you know, new tight end, new everything. Yeah. Maybe that's, you know, glass half full. Is It's a lot Definitely. of teams adjusting. But the Chargers are in that same boat, though, at the same time. I think uh, Tampa Bay actually is probably the game I'm looking forward to the most. I mean, I bet you there's a lot of teams out there that can't wait to play Tampa Bay and Brady for various reasons, but you said there's a lot of unknowns. I mean, Tampa Bay is a team that on paper, right, should be great. But for me, it still feels very, you know, I don't think you could say anything definitive about Tampa Bay just based on what they've done in the past. And, you know, we don't really know what Brady, what kind of Brady we're going to see. So that's going to be, I'm really, really looking forward to that game. I'm glad it's earlier in the season. We have to wait too long. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that'll do it for this episode. Should be an interesting season for the Chargers. And uh, we'll be back later this week with a new episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ball Till You Fall podcast. Uh, if you enjoyed the episode, please like, rate, subscribe, follow, download, all the above. Uh, we're Honestly, we're going to keep releasing episodes even if you guys don't do any of the above, but it'll just make us feel better about ourselves if we see that people are listening and you know downloading and basically just enjoying the episodes. So be a nice person today. Uh, please spread the word. Uh, the world needs more nice people out there. So just search Ball Till You Fall podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or basically just anywhere that you listen to podcasts out there. Again, we really appreciate the support and we'll talk to you next episode.